Hey, welcome to a more Mama's Boy episode. Glad you are here. If this is your first one, I'm Steve Kramer. I, I do the show with my mom, typically. every Most episodes start with me and my mom. Uh, she's got the best words of wisdom. So if you are new for the first time, hopefully you'll check out a couple more episodes because uh, I think it's cute. My mom's literally the best. And that's why it's called the Certified Mama's Boy Podcast. And if this is your first time, I would, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and, and you know check out a couple episodes and maybe leave us a five-star review if we earned it. I always say if we earned it and then give us five stars. Today though is a more Mama's Boy episode and I do these when there's just something that kind of falls out of format for our typical show and I've been talking with my good friend Ellen for a while about her and I getting together and doing an episode because her and I are very similar spots when it comes to life and Ellen has had a crazy 2020 to say the least. Uh, with a, a job change, thinking that she is confident and ready to go start a, a new career path. And then coronavirus hits, which like it hit us all, but then with a situation with her dad that nobody could have seen coming. So let me introduce you to my friend Ellen Taylor, and she's on next on the Certified Mama's Boy podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so my guest today is a, a radio friend of mine that had I've known for when do we meet? Was it I was it in Phoenix at the time? We were both in country radio. Yeah, you uh, were in Phoenix. And this is my good friend Ellen, Ellen Taylor, who is I think one of the most amazing people on the planet. She's somebody that always makes me smile. So I'm like, let's do the podcast. Come on the podcast. And then I literally pushed her off for like three weeks after I was like, we should yeah. do a podcast together. <laughs> so it sounds like my dating life. It's like the second I get excited about something, and that's when someone ghosts me. And that's exactly <laughs> what you did. I'm used to it. It's not you okay, are- but it's okay. We're so similar in so many different ways, though, like that. So we are we are both single. Uh, you are not divorced, though. Uh, no. I, I am divorced. And so we, we were able to share dating stories back and forth of kind of what we uh, kind of like, like what we what we go through. And, uh, you know, hearing the hearing a female's perspective and a male's perspective is always just uh, completely different. I I literally had to. And I've explained that I was kind of like looking to be in a relationship leading up to all of the getting let go. And then it was like the coronavirus and everything else. But you is this for you asked me out because you know that's exactly what people are thinking right now. A single guy, a single girl. Oh my god, Kramer's gonna actually grow a pair and ask a girl out before anyone thinks that no. We are just well, friends. Okay. As as a side note, though, as a side note, how many times when you were in radio and working with a male co-host did you get the question of like, are you guys hooking up? Because every station I've been at and I've worked with a female, everyone's like, oh my God, you guys must totally be hooking up behind the scenes. I always worked with married men. So luckily I avoided oh, yeah. that. However, yeah. it was always, oh, well, Ellen's single. Like I've got this friend or that friend or anybody's friend that they wanted to like set me up with. But luckily <laughs> it was never uh, somebody that I worked with. There was never that rumor going around. Did you take advantage of that though? Like, no. did you see? I, I did. I took full advantage of that when I, 
Because I've explained before, and I don't really know if you know this backstory, but I decided to, when I uh, when I got divorced, I waited for a couple of months, and I met this one girl, and it was super, like, I, it was so low-key, I didn't really tell anybody about it, um, but it was, it was like one of those intense kind of relationships, right? It was so, it was my first, you know, feeling towards somebody else outside of my marriage, so it was very intense, very, uh, un- very unhealthy, um, very nerve-wracking in so many different ways. And it just, it didn't work out obviously. So then I took some more time off and I was like, I just need to not date. And then probably in July of last year, I decided to, okay, I'm going to not only just date, but I'm going to date publicly. Like I'm going to go ahead and, and I was ready to change the storyline on the radio from the guy going through the divorce to now the guy that's dating. So I was really public about, okay, boom, I'm dating. And so a lot of listeners, yeah, would come up to me and say, Hey, well, I've got this friend or, you know, you should meet this person. And I literally took advantage of, <laughs> of a lot of those offers because you took advantage of the offers. Let's make sure that people hear that sentence in its entirety. <laughs> you took yeah, advantage yeah, yeah. of the offers, not the people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the offers. <laughs> I mean, cause it was just, it was just there. And I, I, I never wanted to be that gross radio guy that just, you know, met, met a bunch of listeners, but there was just something so comforting in, uh, <laughs> masses versus like, oh and I was like the radio guy to me. It was almost like my shoe in, right? Like I was already, Oh, that's the guy from the radio. I already know him versus like, Oh, I'm just Steven Yancey here off the side. Uh, that is the exact difference between men and women. I am so sorry to interrupt you, but this is what drives me crazy, but is also a blessing because um, the producer that I worked with at the time, who you know, Randy, we were all together when we met for the very first time. Um, he was single and he would get it thrown at him because he was the guy on the radio. Right. But for me, and this has been very true, it became even more of a problem when I made the switch to television when men saw that as a turn off. It has been a C block for me. That's so funny you say that. Because Gina, my old co-host, said the same thing. Mm -hmm. Is that a guy, she could go on and just be Gina on Bumble. But the second they find out that she's Gina Latina from Channel 933, they're done. Right. And it's... It's like I don't want to I don't want to make it this the whole oh well men are intimidated by strong women thing because I believe that yes there are some men who are but I also believe that I attract men who aren't intimidated by that because I wouldn't give my time or my energy to someone who wasn't mm-hmm. but I also and I'm not trying to sound like ooh my life is amazing because unlike you I didn't purposely not date I've had a lot of dry spells but none of them have <laughs> ever been on purpose um, right, right. But with that said. I have dated in the past some very some people who were more famous, if you will, than me. And I thought that that would be a good thing because they would understand where where I'm coming from, my world. They would also understand that it was work and not life. But then it got to a point where they felt like there was only so much famous and I was taking away some of their fame, which uh-huh. was never the case. So I would date quote unquote regular guys and they were using me because I was on the radio (laughs) or I would date people who had their own fame and then they didn't like that either. So now I'm just like, it's weird. Going to be single forever. See, I, like literally there's no, okay. So people on, on the, in the media don't want me get people outside the media just want to use me. So now that's This is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, that's it's, it's such a weird perspective. See, I'm, I'm quite the opposite because I 
I would not want to date anybody that was in the media. Like, and I don't know, I don't want anybody that has any kind of notoriety. I don't want anybody, you know, my ex-wife had a, uh, a blog and she wrote for a, a fashion magazine. And even to me, it's like, I can only, I can be the only star in this family. Like we can't have really? two stars in this family and, and call me, call me selfish. Call me like it's, it needs to be all about me. But I think I've, if you've listened to my show long enough, you, you hear my mom and it's always about me. So, so I think that's like the mentality that I've had is that I, I don't want to date. I literally have a joke that if you have more than 500 Instagram followers, I probably don't want to date you. Are you kidding? Please tell me I, that's like a joke. I'm that's serious. just like what you say for funsies or to get a rise no. out of people. Cause you don't really mean that. Do you? No, I, I literally mean that. I literally mean if you have, you have that, and maybe that's my own weird insecurity here. Oh, but yeah, if, if you like, if I, let's just say we're talking or whatever, or someone's like, Hey, meet my friend. And they have like, uh, cause El, like Ellen's beautiful. Let's just, let's take you for example. Let's say if I were to log on to your Instagram yeah, and we would I never were to date see, because I have a blue check, right. we would never date. No, I, I would literally, I'd see how many followers you had and they, your blue check. And I'd be like, no, like there's no, I would literally cut you off right there before I'd even give you a chance. Now okay, you diagnose that Dr. Ellen. Yeah, you you diagnose that for me right now. Where do you think that mindset comes from? Why do you think I'm intimidated to date somebody, or why am I not interested in dating somebody that may have uh, a big follow? They don't have to be famous, but like if you're if you've got like two thousand people following you, I'm already kind of turned off by that. Why? I know I know why, and I I think you know why too, and I just don't know whether or not you would admit it because you're the radio guy. But <laughs> no, you are, and, and you and I know each other. You and I have built a friendship outside of radio. Um, and stop me, like we need a safe word if I'm saying too much. But no, I think I think you lack self confidence, and I think you yeah. say that you don't want to date anyone that's got more than 500 followers because at that point you feel like, well, am I good enough for them? Ooh, I mean, I've never literally thought of it, but I, I don't think you're wrong at all about that. You're probably 100% right. Like, say well, it again. If there's all if, <laughs> if there's already all these other people out there, like, am I like if I'm competing against 2000 other people, like, how, how do I know that they just don't want to be with somebody else? Wow. This got really deep in the first the first few minutes of the of the podcast here. This is where you and I are a lot alike. We're both self-sabotagers in very different ways, but and it, so it's easy to diagnose it in someone else diagnose like I'm a doctor or something, but um it's very easy to see in somebody else because I tend to do the same thing but in a different way. It's protecting yourself, Kramer. That's exactly yeah. what it comes down to, especially someone who's been through what you've been through, particularly the past couple of years, your heart has been hurt. So it's natural to want to protect yourself, just like it's natural to want to find a partner and have love. It's also that, um, you know, fight or flight thing. And you just decide that you're going to flee and your stupid excuses. Well, she has more than 500 followers on Instagram. <laughs> hey, man, whatever helps you sleep at night, bro. <laughs> well, I think you're right, though, in the sense of it does seem 
more safe, right? There's somebody that, that doesn't have as many. Wow, this is deep. This is some deep seated stuff I've never really thought through before. Like, that's but really is it more safe. Is it more safe though? Like, no, nothing safe. Nothing safe. But I think when you go through a divorce, you literally before you put your like you literally just like get in the kiddie pool, right? And you just kind of put your toes in, and you're just kind of like, huh, okay, is this okay? Is this okay? Okay, this is fine. Let me go just a little bit deeper now. I think anybody that goes through a heartbreak, right? I mean, this is my first, obviously, big breakup, and so I think that I am, am trying to avoid any type of. It's the same thing of why I always say like I just wanted to casually date for so long because if I casually date a lot of different people, then nobody can really hurt me that bad. There's already somebody else in the wings that can if, – if one goes away, well, it's fine because I still got somebody else over here. I totally understand where you're coming from, whereas for me, I'm very loyal. Like I'm probably – I give my loyalty to someone way too early like if we talk once or twice, I'll be like, all right, cool. I'm going to focus 100% on this one person. I don't tell him that because he doesn't need to know that I've got, you know, him in the crosshairs. Um, right. I want him to think that I'm playing the field. But this is where which is worse comes up. You gave your heart away. You were vulnerable and it got broke and it sucks and it hurts. I never did. I've never been married. I've never been engaged. And a lot of times people are like, well, that's weird. Why not? What's wrong with you? And it's because I've never let myself be vulnerable. I've never let myself get to a point, let someone in close enough to hurt me. And I blinked and I turned 35. So which is worse, going through it, being vulnerable, having those memories, but also having the memory of, oh my gosh, this pain or never knowing that pain or the happiness. Oh, no, it's definitely mine. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even think about it. Like, I, I, I was like, don't even finish part two. I guarantee you it's, it, it's definitely. No, I, I uh, well, tell us, let's talk about that. What does that mean? What, why do you think that is that you, because I was, I've always been quite the opposite. I'm much more of a, let me cling on and I, well, I know. You, know, <laughs> you, you, you know me long enough to know I like just I'll cling on and I will fight for anything and I, I'll be super loyal too. And obviously, you know, through, through that process I was, um, but you, you sound like you want it, but you don't go for it. You don't allow it to happen. Why do you think that is? Um, I think because once I realized that I wanted it, the chances uh, where I was in my life, the opportunities for that didn't come about. Like I made a big shift in my life earlier this year. Um, and that was because I wanted to focus on what made me personally fulfilled. I was so focused on my career and I thought once I'm a perfectionist. And so I thought once I have my career perfect and my body perfect and the way that I look perfect, then the perfect guy will come along. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. You need to actually work towards those relationships too. And I go all in. I'm an all or nothing type of person. And I felt like I needed to take some time away from my career. And I was in a position where I could do that. Um, I needed to take some time to recalibrate myself, not just to, I didn't like, quit my job to go and find love. This isn't The Bachelor. But I needed to make a shift in my life to, to reevaluate what was taking up 
my space, what was taking up my energy and see what I could let go of to make room for somebody else. Um, I guess it's going back to like a work-life balance. I didn't have that and I needed to just find a way to get that. I also wasn't planning on coronavirus happening, but you know, this is, and that's the other thing. Um, the virus is hard in itself on everyone for a lot of different reasons. And I'm not here to say that I've got it worse than anybody else because I definitely do not. But dating in your 30s is difficult. Dating sure. in your 30s during a pandemic is even worse. <laughs> it's yeah, it's been it's been a weird process. Well, let's talk really about your because uh, I, I obviously know your story, but I want people to kind of know because your life has been probably just as crazy as mine has been over the last couple of years, just professionally. So you were on this big radio station in Seattle Mm -hmm. and take us from there to today and how you got to where you are in this moment. Um, Oh man. So uh, yeah, I was on a very high profile morning radio show in Seattle, which is what brought me out to that city in 2011 from my hometown in Michigan. And uh, it was a successful country radio show, but the host was let go and the producer and I still got to keep our jobs and people asked like, Oh, well, why didn't you follow him? Uh, cause I have bills to pay. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I people, well, how do you, how do you even describe that to people? Because I think that people that listen to the radio assume that we're all just the best of friends. And I've worked with people that I've been been good friends with, um, you know, and, and then I've worked with people that I have not been good friends with. And I've been very public about, you know, about my feelings and all of that, about how uh, – how do you deal with that perception of people just assuming like, oh, you guys are just – because it's almost like you get a bad rap. When I left Phoenix, sure. I got this bad rap of like, how could you leave? How could you leave Nina? You guys are best friends. And I'm like, well, I don't think you know how this really works. It's a business. At the end of the day, it's a business. I liken it to think about like an NFL football team, right? Uh, an NFL team is very different than your high school football team. In high school, it's very much team. We, you know, building each other up, things like that. But when you get to the big leagues, it's a business at the end of the day. And right. friendships are an added bonus, but it's not a necessity. Um, mm-hmm. It makes life a lot easier when you actually like each other. But at the end of the day, if a company decides to let one person go and not the other, like which is what happened in my situation, how could I justify leaving my job? Like The guy that I was partnered up with wasn't going to be paying my bills. You know, right. I, mean, I still had to feed my dog. <laughs> like, that was he, all I mean, me. He was sitting out for a long time too. Was it like a couple of years that he was uh, probably like sure. two or three years? And so I don't know what his situation was in terms of you know uh, severance or how much right. money was in his bank account. Maybe maybe he was really smart and he was able to do that. I don't know. Not my business because again, like we were coworkers, we were colleagues. Uh, and that's okay. So I think a lot of times uh, it's very hard for people to understand. And maybe it's a credit to people like you and I who put on such a great show and make people feel like, yes, we are a team because we are. But at the end of the day, we were motivated by that paycheck because it's what put food on the tables for our families. I mean, and I, I don't think, think you said there's it anything best. wrong I mean, with that. It's, it's an added bonus when you're, when you're friends. And that's right. what everyone would strive for. You would strive for it to be a friendly 
experience. Uh, you work towards it to be a friendly experience, but at the end of the day, just like at any office, some people you click with and some people you don't, but totally. the hard thing with ours is that no matter what, it's got to sound like you're, even if you're having the hardest day together, you still got to be like, we're fine. Right. And you know? even, it's not even, um, if you're fighting with one another, pretending like everything is fine. Sometimes you go into work and this goes for any job and you're just having a cruddy day and you have to put that aside, whether it's individual or you don't like your coworkers or whatever it is. Um, so the dream is to, you know, do a show with you and then we won't have to worry about it. It's actually start as friends. I mean, it really does. When you start as friends first, (laughs) again, folks, we are not going to be dating. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe we should just forget the radio idea and just, uh, you know, no, no, okay. Uh, Hard, hard pass. Uh, I love you, but not like that. But going back to what you were saying to me, which was, you know, how did I get from there to here? Um, when my partner was let go, uh, they had told me, Hey, well, we're going to actually find someone to put with you. Um, and I was kind of sold a dream, if you will, that I was going to be the one that was going to carry on this show. And then a new boss came in, decided he was going to bring in some of his buddies. And I got, um, they, they put it as, we want to give you your own show, but it was in the least listened to time slot. <laughs> <laughs> and it came with a very significant pay cut. So right. I said, what, what an upgrade. You're so lucky. <laughs> right. Oh, and the worst part was that the most insulting part. And, and I feel bad saying this because I did leave the company on good terms and uh, things are totally okay now. But in that moment, it was very hard because the boss um, who doesn't work for that company anymore, asked if I would introduce my replacement on the air and make it sound like this was a That's great, easy transition. And I'm like, listen, I can't fake that funk. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no. I, they, it, it's every time that I've left a situation, it's been awkward. Same thing. Like, you know, when I got cut at iHeart here at, at 933 here, uh, you know, Gina just had to read this very generic statement, yeah. you know, which is so nothing could be less personal than having to read. I mean, I feel bad for it. Just be like, here's a statement, read it, you know, like we are moving forward as a company and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then when I left, what was really awkward was when I get left, uh, from Tampa, they, we knew that they were going to switch the format of that radio station over to a sports talk. And so the last day they asked us to, um, to actually come to this barbecue and like <laughs> the outside and like shake the hand and basically pass the baton, baton over. And I'm like, yeah. what? Like, yo, I'm, I'm losing my job. Like, I don't think you realize that like, like this is not a, like that, that may feel good for you to be able to have this nice little story all tied up over here. Uh, but, but for me, it's, it's not a fun day. This is not a fun day to be able right. to so pass the baton, have a hot dog. Even within the industry, they forget it's a business or they chose to maybe look away because it would be easier for everyone if we would just like make it a gracious exit, which publicly it was a very gracious exit. And it was even like privately, too, uh, because I knew that I was going to be leaving the station at least three months, four months. I was told in August or September um, and they asked if I would work out the rest of my contract, which was until December. So we were amicable enough. And if they didn't trust me to stay and turn a mic on and talk to hundreds of thousands of people a day, if they didn't trust me enough, they would have said, okay, you can go now. But I continued sure. to work there for four months. And in that time, 
I had started to freelance at uh, the TV station at a Fox affiliate in Seattle. And uh, I, it was fun. It was, it was something that I was doing. I went to school to be on TV. I accidentally wound up in radio for 10 years. And um, when I left the radio station, I continued to freelance. And it got to a point where, again, I needed to put food on the table for my dog. And I went to uh, the news director and said, hey, this has been a lot of fun, but I got to find a, a real job. And the next morning, there was an offer from her on my desk, on my desk. I don't have a desk. I barely have a desk. <laughs> but, but you sound like such an adult. When, when you say it, it sounds so adult-like. So good work. <laughs> Which I am not at all. <laughs> um, but there was an offer. And so, uh, and, and ironically enough, literally the next day, I had gotten a radio offer from the country station across the street, the new station. Um, and I, at that point, said, hey, like, I've already accepted this TV uh, opportunity, which was uh, the best thing that I could have done because I got to fulfill a, a lifelong dream. My job was to literally have fun on TV every weekday morning. Um, it was it was great. It was such a blessing, such a blessing. Right. So um, with all of that said, I spent a couple of years uh, doing morning television, which I loved. Uh, and then my contract was up and it came time and that was man, beginning of March of 2020. And I chose I was offered a new deal. And I said, you know what, I think I need to step away for a little bit. The I was never going to step away for forever. I was in a position where I could step away for a couple of months. The plan was to come home to Michigan just for a couple of months and reassess yeah. and reevaluate. The, econ the, the economy is great. You know, uh -huh. like everything is, the jobs are, 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 are flourishing everywhere. So it's, it's, it's your picking at this point, early March. It was, right. <laughs> life was, life was so good at this point, right? Totally. What, and can the lease go, what can go wrong? Oh God. The lease on my apartment was up March 8th. So I just, packed up, a, I sold everything and I packed up my U-Haul uh, and said, all right, cool. Like I'm going to go to mom and dad's for the summer, you know, just see what's happening. And that's right. when, as I was making the five day drive from Seattle to Michigan, um, which on a side note, my dad was supposed to fly out to Seattle and drive back with me. It was going to be a road trip for us. But coronavirus, if you remember, started in, C I mean, one of the first hotspots yeah. was Seattle. And it was during that time. And my dad being 74, we said, you know what? Maybe not the best of ideas. So I drove by myself for five days and I felt like I was trying to um, outrun this virus because yeah, that's when things were getting crazy. Tom Hanks got diagnosed and yeah. um, the NBA stopped its season. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. I made it to my mom's house. Things were great for one week. And then my dad had a stroke. So I have been his caretaker uh, ever since uh, it's been not to be a complete buzzkill, but it's been a lot. And this was not the plan that I had for me, but yeah. I am a believer and I, God knew I needed to be here. And there was that thing in my yeah, gut no that said, take some time off. And now I know why. Yeah. Well, tell me, let's talk about that day that your dad had a stroke. Like what did that, what did that look like? Um, oof. I, I called him because that's when they were starting to shut down the grocery stores and they're like, oh, check on your elderly neighbors. And I was like, I'm going to go check on my elderly dad who would yeah. still be mad if I called him that to his face. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, our parents don't realize they're, they're elderly is what I've realized, you know, like they don't, right. they, that's still like their, their parents are the elderly ones, not our, you know, 67 year old parents for sure. 
And truth be told, I never looked at my dad as elderly until the stroke happened because knock on wood, neither my dad never had any serious health issues until now. Um, and so he wasn't answering his phone, which I don't know, wasn't unlike him, I guess. But I just was feeling weird because of the virus and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know what? I'm in town. Let me just go to his house and see what's up. I go. I knock on the door. He doesn't answer. I hear the dog barking, but he doesn't answer. I start knocking louder. After about 10 minutes, he comes to the door and he opens the door. And I notice the right side of his face is like is is drooping. Oh, Lord. And I knew right then my dad was having a stroke, but something happened in my brain where I was like, nope, this can't be it. This is not what's happening. Like, like, dad, did you just wake up? It was one in the afternoon. And he was like, no, no. Like, and he was disoriented. And so I said, hey, like, how about we just go to the hospital and get you checked out? All the doctor's offices are closed. I lied to him because he needed to go to the ER, but I didn't want him to freak out. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, the virus shut everything down. So let's just go to the hospital. And he didn't resist, which was when I realized he knew something was wrong too. Right. And we pulled up to the emergency room. And before we even got to the doors, we were greeted by a police officer and a, a nurse in full, like what looked like hazmat gear. And sure. I said, hey, this is not COVID. This is my dad having a stroke. They looked at him and they said, okay, they let me take my dad, drive him up to the door where another uh, police officer put him in a wheelchair. And I did not, I'm going to cry. I did not see him for five days because they wouldn't let me in the hospital um, because of the virus. Right. So we how were you able to, how were you able to get updates about what was going on with him? Uh, calling. They were supposed to call us, but you know, I was worried. And right. so the phone, uh, and I, I believe in my heart of hearts that they did the best that they could um, to update us. And it was difficult. I And my parents are from Greece. And so English is my dad's second language. So I try to drop the whole, well, he can't understand English, which is right, not right. true because he's lived in the States for 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> is he, does he buy still it? sound like he just, he just got here though? Oh, he does. He does. But he understands yeah. English better than he does Greek. But anyway, um, so That's they wouldn't cool. let me in. Uh, but we had found out like from his scans and stuff that he had probably had the stroke two nights beforehand. So this was a long oh, wow. time. And the fact that in terms of uh, what's happened to him uh, physically, uh, the only thing that was impacted was his, his vision. Uh, the rest was all cognition. So considering uh, how old he is and the fact that we did not catch the stroke early by any means, right. my dad got very, very lucky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very well, what- lucky. So that all of a sudden now, so let's, let's like keep in mind the story here. You go from, I'm in control of this situation, right? I'm leaving on my terms because I'm (laughs) going to go take time off and I'm going to go when I'm ready to get back in to to the next job, then I'm going to go do that. Uh, A lot's changed. I mean, everything, not only now for your family aspect, but for your, for just the world in general. Yeah. So what's how are you taking all this in? Because you and I are in similar situations where, you know, my, my story is, I, well, I should say, I think the similarities in our stories, there's so many things that are out of our control. Right. So how are you handling just that aspect of life? Are you good at that? Cause I'm a control guy. Like I know yeah. that if I can do this, like, and it sounds like you had a plan, Like your plan was I'm going to take time off and then I'm going to do it. But it's so many things you can't control now. 
And how humbling is it to realize that you literally do not have control over anything? Again, oh, I'm a believer. I hate it. <laughs> and I, I hate I, it. One of the last days that I had in Seattle, I, I went out to coffee with a friend and I remember just complaining. I was like, oh, I'm just so stressed. And, uh, man, if I had those quote unquote problems that I had <laughs> in February now, I would be living the dream. <laughs> um, it's just. My when people ask how I'm doing, my go-to answer is I'm okay enough, and I feel like maybe I even got that from you. I'm I'm okay enough, and yeah. that has been the best way to describe it. I'm just surviving. I'm winning the day. Uh, that's all you can think about. And I will admit that um, from March until now July, my dad has improved a lot. I mean, not a hundred percent because stroke recovery takes can take well over a year. Um, but he is regaining his independence to a point where I'm starting to feel like I'm able to now do things again for myself. For example, if a job opportunity were to pop up, which in this coronavirus world that we're living in, haha, good luck. But if it were to pop up and if I needed to move, I would do it and I could do it and it would be okay. And my dad and I have had that conversation, but I am thankful that I am here now and I will savor that time to be here with him, to help him while I am. Right. Right. I mean, I think that we, we, we talk about a lot on the podcast. Uh, we, we obviously being a daily podcast, there's only so much you can really talk about right now. Uh, but, but I struggle with that idea too, of where does all this end up? And I think that your, everyone's had their struggles, with the coronavirus, everyone's life looks mm-hmm. a little bit different. Uh, some people's look a lot different. Some look a little different. But you and I are definitely in that same spot of like we don't know what the future holds. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever been less clear of what the future holds, and I'm so I so don't handle that well. I so don't handle the the mystery well. But I'm having to learn to cope with it. Right. I'm having to learn how to just how to be okay with it because naturally, man, naturally, I am the kind of guy that should not be in the media that should just have some little hometown job, should have graduated high school, married my high school sweetheart, you know, had three kids, stayed in the same neighborhood and just, you know, had a grave plot in the same city. That's what my life probably should have been like. Um, So all of this is so uncomfortable. I mean, the last three years have been so uncomfortable that it's Mm -hmm. almost just forced me to learn how to be uncomfortable and be okay with that uncomfortability. How do you feel like you handle that? Have you always been good at trying to, yeah, no, I I think, I think all of us media people don't handle that. Well, I don't even need you to answer or finish that question because I don't handle it well, but I'll tell you what, after about three years now and particularly the last three months, I feel excited about not knowing what's next because literally the world, not literally, I hate when people use the word literally and not literally. But it it. works so well. (laughs) Literally the world is my oyster, but the world isn't an oyster. I digress. I can do anything and go anywhere. I feel as if I just graduated high school again. Well, I think because what that's called is rock bottom. (laughs) (laughs) I don't 
know. In that case, don't blame me because it is great after you've hit that. You can only go up. I'm telling you. I've seen the light. <laughs> I, I think that's exactly what that, that term is called. It's called you've hit rock bottom. So literally, if there's only up, it's got to be better than the shit we've somehow created over the last uh, the last couple of months, right? That's that, that's just what it feels like on on my side. Is like I mean, it's not. This is not rock bottom. What I mean is like they're so there's nothing written. There's literally nothing right. written. Um, and, and you and I are both in that situation of no kids, no, right. no job, no, no, I have a house, but you know, you've got an apartment. Uh, there's nothing. There's, there, there's literally anything that we want to do, which is a luxury that most people don't have. Now let's, okay, let's imagine because we go back to, Oh, now I hit 35 and I'm, you know, not married. And uh, like, what would this look like if you were married? Right. And I've had this conversation so many times, particularly with my own mom, where I'm like, I'm thankful that I, not thankful. I understand now why the plan was not for me to have kids yet, because mm. God bless the parents out there. My friends <laughs> who are homeschooling and, and not even that, but how do you explain to children what's going on, why you need to wear a mask, things like that? I always think about, you know, yes, it sucks what I'm going through, but it could always be worse. And I'm sure parents probably are listening to me being like, thank God, the only thing I got to do is explain a mask to my kid instead of dealing with a dad who had a stroke, right? Well, um, sure. It's all about perspective. So I'm just, I'm thankful. Uh, I don't even know if that's necessarily the right word, but I'm thankful that I have, I'm, I have the things that I need to take care of and I'm able to take care of them as cruddy as they are. Um, I know that I can manage that. I don't know if I could manage. I mean, I'm sure I would have found a way, but uh, I'm glad that I don't have to figure out how to also deal with homeschooling kids while trying sure. to work or taking care of dad on top of everything else too. Right. Right. Totally. You know, one thing that I've always been proud of you and um, there's some people that exit gracefully from situations and there's people that just kind of stumble through uh, being released or released from certain situations, especially when it comes to media jobs. Um, one thing I've been really proud with you is that you started your own clothing line and online store. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, cause some people, media people literally just disappear, which would have probably been what I would have done if Jeff Dollar didn't force me to do a podcast. I probably would have just disappeared into oblivion and just been like, it's fine. I'll just I'm die. Glad you yeah, me too. It's been a, it's been a fun project. It's been really cool. You, you decided though to start this, this store. Where did this, how did you even like come up with that idea? So the transition came, uh, it, it was during the transition from radio to television. Yeah. I had those couple of months where I was freelancing and I didn't have that full-time gig. Um, and when I was still in radio, my boss at the time said, Hey, we need you guys to blog more. And I'm like, I got into radio so I could just talk. I don't want to have to write and actually do work. What That's do you a mean real I have to job. Blog? Yeah. Like, I, can, I can work at a bank if I want to blog. I mean, come like, on. this is stupid. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, uh, another radio personality, a friend of mine that, uh, hey, real, real, side note though, do you wish you would have just blog now? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> most bloggers are making bank. But right. anyway, um, a, a friend of mine uh, who was doing the same job that I did, except for Minneapolis, would post a photo of what she was wearing every day. So I started to do that on the radio blog, and I found it very pretentious and self-serving, so I stopped. And I would link like where I got things from, and 
I worked in radio. I was also living in a very expensive city. So I was, you know, hey, jeans from Target. Nothing wrong with Target by any means. Um, but I was not a Nordy's gal. I was never going right. to Nordstrom. That store intimidates me. Um, so oh, I was always expensive. finding like thrifty deals, things like that. And I stopped. Uh, and a couple of people, we were at a concert and a couple of listeners had come up to me and said, hey, what happened to that blog? We loved it. And I was like, hmm, well, there's a good idea. Why am I giving Target, no offense, hashtag please sponsor me. Hashtag, I don't have a job. Um, <laughs> but I was like, if, why this, if this gets edited out, that means uh, Target was a sponsor that week. So just, uh, we, oh, we love Target. <laughs> we love Target. <laughs> love Target. Um, but I thought to myself, why am I going to give other businesses my advertising when I could just start my own store? And especially because my weight changed so much and I used style and fashion as a way to disguise that. I thought if people were paying attention to the colors that I was wearing or the type of clothes I was wearing instead of my expanding waistline, then that would be a win. So I wanted to start a clothing line that had carry that carried sizes small to three XL. So I started a clothing store called Charlie Pete, Charlie, my dog, Pete, my dad, and my dad's handwriting is actually incorporated into our logo too. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, he wrote his own name and I had it turned into the logo, but now that I find myself without a job again, Charlie Pete has been a way that I've been able to still do something for me amidst taking care of my dad and figuring out life. I had everything kind of there and it it sat very dormant while I was trying to navigate my television career because that was my focus. But now I'm like, well, I don't got anything else to focus on. Uh, And it has served me very well. So it's, it's been great. And also I cannot believe the amount of support that I get from people who used to watch the show or listen to the show or just people that I met over the years who are supporting, especially during times like this, um, supporting small business. It means, it means a lot. I'm, I'm genuinely humbled by it. I, I, I found the same thing. I think that we, as, uh, as media people, and we'll just kind of, you know, pull back the, pull back the curtain for a second is, you know, we, when you're listening to the radio and we're always like, Oh my God, we're so thankful that you listen. And we, we really are like, we definitely mm-hmm. are, but it's almost like we didn't earn, earn that. Like, I feel like when you go out and you do your own thing, if it is a clothing store or a podcast with your mom, I mean, I, Every you know, I have a certified fans program and like every person that joins that fan club and I'm literally like my heart lights up because I'm like, I cannot believe Same. that you're literally supporting me. Like I, me, even people that just like download every episode. I'm like, you literally, you're, you're, cho- you're not just flipping over to channel nine, three, three or camel one Oh seven, nine or whatever. Like, you're literally choosing to come listen to me. And like the level of appreciation just goes up so much more than I think what we had before, which is like, here's a built in audience. Just don't, don't fuck it up. You'll be okay. Right. And that's the, what people I think have a hard time understanding is that when you work in radio, for example, or even television, especially in, uh, well, not so much. Let, let's just stick to radio. When you work in radio, our salaries don't come from people listening. They come from advertisers, right. which is why when people say, oh, well, I wish, why do you play so many commercials? Well, it's because I need to, again, put food <laughs> on the table. So right. while we appreciate 
you know, radio listeners listening, and we obviously need them to listen, to listen to the advertisements that give us our paycheck. You're right. It is very different when it's your own, like yeah. blood, sweat, and tears. And you're like, oh my God, they, they, they like me for me. They actually like, what? It's, it's I'm still, I, I'm just still in disbelief. You're probably saying, wait, every time you get an order, you're like, really? Are you sure? Like, I feel bad. I don't know. Like maybe you should just, Maybe you should go to Target. I'm not sure. It's it's, it's fine. No, I mean, yes. But no, but how about you go there and shop here? Maybe go to Target for the t-shirt and come to my shop for the earrings. I don't know. It's perfect. It's it's perfect. Well, let's uh, let's give a plug for all your stuff because I am super proud of you. And like you are, you're one of those people that is navigating your way through this to like a a good person, like a good solid human being that has found 2020 just to be – uh, something you never expected it to be. So anything I can do to support you, obviously, I hope that all of our people will go check out your stuff because it is, it's very unique, man. It's very, it's, it's got a lot of personality to it. So how can they find the store? Uh, the store is charliepeat.com and yeah, I mean, I'm a big social media person. So Ellen Taylor, except for <sighs> Taylor, isn't my real last name. Like I mentioned, my parents yeah. came from Greece. So if you really think my last name is Taylor, we need to have a conversation. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, I, I, I have, I have, if you think that my last name is Kramer, that was the biggest shock in the first episode. I'm like, so my name's not really Steven, uh, Steve Kramer. It's Steven Yancey. And people are like, Oh, you know, it, it freaks people out when they hear your last name. I'm like, I'm sorry. I feel like I've been lying to you for years about, uh, about the whole thing. So Taylor, wait, where did Taylor come from? So my parents are tailors by trade. My dad opened his own business. Oh, I guess maybe it wow. runs in the family, but so I spell it T A I L O R. But my dumbass was working in radio, and I thought, oh man, that would be cool to spell it like that. But no one could see that I spelled it with an I. So anyway, social media Ellen Taylor spelled with an I. Um, but really, though, I want to thank you because this is the longest it's been. Um without any type of like radio podcast television show in my last 14 years of life so thank you for letting me come on and and share this this little airspace with you i appreciate it yeah no totally you're one of those people i've always admired and we always say we'd be fun to do a show together it'd be fun to do a show together so to actually book time and like get it done it's been uh it's been really good okay here's the question i'm gonna leave you on i really want you to think about this just don't answer it because i think it's going to be a lot more Intense. Uh, who do you think, between you and I, will end up getting married n- first or remarried next? Who? You told me not to answer that, even though I know the answer, <laughs> and it was very good to know the answer. I, I, I want. I really want you to think through that because. I, I just don't know that once my life has settled down and whatever sense that looks like, that I'm not just going to be like, boom. And then I'm the kind of person that can go really heavy, really fast. And I can be like, oh, you're great. I'll ignore warning signs. Let's just get engaged. And then I'm going to get, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it's 100% going to be you. Even though I just broke the rule because you told me not to answer, it's 100% going to be you. I'm going to blink and I'm going to be 50 and still having the same stupid conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love you so much. Love you too. I'm not like that. (laughs) Okay, that's it for today. Thanks for listening to my son's podcast, Certified Mama's Boy. Be sure to review and subscribe and tell your friends. Love you forever.